No Junk Mail presents The Trading Post, narrated by the author, James R. Von Felt. Chapter 15, Days 11 and 12 We were all awake when the sky began to lighten. A light mist and morning fog was all about us. Occasionally we could see a light rainfall on the glassy surface of the pond. We got the cook fire going again. Longhair treated Alex and Daryl, and we helped as he asked. We had learned some new signs, so things were going faster. Daryl was looking better every day. Alex seemed to have turned a corner. He was no longer hot. His wounds looked less angry. There was less pus. We ate pancakes and the last strips of meat. Darrell was feeding himself even if it was one-handed. It was good that Alex was finally hungry. He wolfed down everything we gave him. The meat had a lot of salt in it, so we drank lots of water. We set out, even though a full daylight had not yet come. We were rested up and getting an early start, anxious to get back to the hunting camp at the lake. With Daryl and Alex still on the stretchers, it took us a while to get back to the main trail. We moved slowly as we backtracked because of the fog and gloomy shadows all around us. Once we were on the trail back to the camp, we were able to move a little quicker, but we didn't increase our pace from the previous day. We kept going and going and took just a few breaks. We pointed our spears up and used them for walking sticks. The rain came and went all day long. By mid-morning, we were soaked once again. We waded across a shallow marsh, wishing we'd stay warm and safe in the cave. Our progress was slow. By sundown, we had found a place where we could set up camp and protect ourselves. This campsite was made among three huge boulders in a small clearing. One of the boulders must have been 40 feet high. The others were shorter, but each of them was at least 30 feet across. In the middle of the boulders was a sandy, clear spot. Seemed like a defensible place for a camp. We found some firewood, but it was wet and hard to get started. We found some small dead wood that wasn't totally soaked, cut it into fine slivers and shavings with our pocket knives. Brave made sparks with his flint and knife. When a spark landed on a fine wood splinter, it smoldered, and he blew on it softly to get it to flame up. It did, which got the next splinter burning, till the tiny flame grew into a proper fire. We made three fires, one in each opening between the boulders. We also made a lean-to that backed up to a boulder. The rain let up for the time being, but everything was wet. Even the pine boughs we put down to sleep on. That evening, Philip and Looney finally told us about finding Inu. While Billy and me looked for him by going west along the lakeshore, they'd gone east. Looney said there was almost no beach most of the time, and what beach we could walk on was piled with driftwood, moss, and weeds from the storm. This made the going slow. It was late afternoon when we spotted the log that had torn loose from the raft. It still had a pole and some bark strip rope tied to it. 
We saw Inu's footprints all over the beach by the log and followed them to a small camp he'd made, but he wasn't there. We used our calls, but he didn't answer. Philip said, we wait, no Inu. We follow tracks. Looney interpreted, the tracks led us to a stream and then to a pond. We realized that Inu had been finding food and then had circled back to the beach and his camp. By the time we reached the camp, Inu was sitting there waiting for us. I jumped up and down with joy when I saw Inu, but Philip just seemed to take it all in stride. Inu explained how he had stayed on the log until he was washed ashore. And that was that. He had survived. It was getting dark, so we stayed there for the night. The next morning, we retraced our steps west and returned to the camp near the demolished raft. We saw that you guys weren't there, but you had left the furs and pistol. We also saw all the Indian footprints, so we knew something had happened to you. We waited at that camp all day, but you didn't return. The next day, we decided to follow your tracks to find you. Most of the tracks by the lake had been washed away since you'd walked so close to the water's edge, but eventually we found the markers you had set up. We followed the marker's line and made it to the hunting camp, but by the time we got there, you'd already left with the Indians. Philip said, We stay in camp. Next morning, follow tracks. Hear wolves. Wolves follow tracks, too. Stay from camp till wolves leave. We go to camp. See brave dance. We talked way into the night about our experiences in the storm and with the Indians. When the raft had been broken apart, he hadn't swam to us when Billy did. He had survived by holding on to the pole that was still tied to the log. We set up watches for the night and laid down to sleep. During the second watch, a nosy bear came sniffing around, more nosy than hungry. Philip and Brave, who were on watch, heard the bear come and woke everyone. We scared him away by throwing burning sticks at him. We were soon asleep again. We were feeling better about our security, and we were warm, huddled together under the lean-to. Before the sky lit up, we were ready to go, because we're getting anxious to get to the hunting camp. That morning, the fog was so dense we couldn't see 20 feet ahead of us. We got the fire up and going so Longhair could begin his treatments. Then, in pairs, we foraged for something to eat. We stayed as close to camp as we could, using our calls to keep track of each other in the fog. It would have been easy to get lost in the forest because of the fog. We found bark, leaves, weeds, and tarp red berries. Meanwhile, back at the camp, Longhair cleaned and dressed the wounds again. Daryl's shoulder was getting better. We could see that by the way he held himself and moved. He wasn't so stiff and cautious anymore. The sling was helping to keep his arm and shoulder still so it could heal. Alex seemed to be getting better, too. His wounds were scabbing over. There was hardly any pus on the dressing, and the swelling was way down. When we finally left camp, we found the trail and made slow progress till the fog lifted. After that, we set a faster pace than we had taken the previous two days. It didn't matter that it was raining again. 
We stopped to rest twice, but didn't eat anything except the leaves and weeds we picked as we traveled. As we hiked along the trail, we made plans for when we got back to the hunting camp. Our discussions always started with, when we get to camp, and then they went on from there. We talked about a lot of things we had to do to get to the trading post, such as gathering the furs that we had left on the beach and making another raft. We also discussed who would make the raft and paddles and how we would find the trading post from the hunting camp. Actually, we talked about making two rafts because now we had two more people to support as well as the extra furs. That all depended upon finding enough materials to make two rafts. We figured that after we got to camp, it would take us three or four days to make the rafts and paddle to the trading post. Then it'd be another day or two at the trading post to trade the furs for whatever Enu needed for his camp and for supplies for Longhair and Brave so they could get back to their people. We were going to send them off with Enu's rifle several boxes of ammunition, food, and whatever else they needed to get back. They would probably return across the lake on one of the rafts we were going to make. We also knew we should send messages to our folks to let them know we were alive and all right. But we didn't know how that would happen. We decided we'd figure it out when we got to the trading post. We discussed our plan over and over again, adding a detail here and taking one out there. The planning energized us. By midday, we smelled the lake. The smells in the forest are distinctly different. The forest smells warm and sweet, most from the decaying pine needles, while the lake smelled cool and fishy. We picked up our pace again, both Alex and Daryl walked for short periods of time. When they got tired, they got back on the stretcher and we carried them. We kept pushing on. We were anxious to get to the camp. About an hour later, we entered the Indians' hunting camp. The lean-tos were still there, along with the fire pits and several stacks of wood covered with pine boughs. A cool, easy breeze was coming from the lake and it helped us to cool down after our long walk. We had made it, and it wasn't dark yet. We were so tired, we laid down under the lean-tos and took a nap. We must have slept for an hour or two. When we woke up, Brave had a cook fire going. We had a lot to do, and we all had renewed energy. Enu and I stayed in camp to fix more firewood and to keep an eye on Alex, who was still tired. Daryl felt good enough to go with Billy to find weeds, worms, grubs, and leaves to eat. Looney and Philip went looking for a stream to find fish or crawdads. Brave and Longhair went hunting. Things are looking up. The cook fire was going good in an hour or so. Looney and Philip came back with four trout they had speared in a creek about a half mile west of the camp. Daryl and Billy came back with Billy's shirt full of crawdads. They were so excited about the crawdads, they'd forgotten about the weeds, worms, and other stuff. That was okay by me. It was dark when Longhair and Brave came back into camp carrying a little deer. We laughed and teased them when we saw the small size. It didn't take them long to skin the carcass. We were hungry. 
We increased the size of the fire and roasted slices of the deer meat. We roasted fish, too, but we boiled the crawdads in the pot. We all had our fill, and it was delicious. When we finished eating, Longhair took care of Alex and Daryl's wounds. By the time Billy and I washed their bandage and shirts in the lake, it was dark. We didn't mind the darkness. We knew where the camp was because we could see the fire. After we returned to the fire, we talked excitedly into the night, sitting by the fire. Even Alex and Daryl's spirits were high. We recalled the bear, the wolves trying to get into Inu's cabin, the cougar attack, the wolves trying to steal the deer meat, and Billy's wolf kill. We talked about the ceremony the Indians gave Billy in his headband. We talked about making headbands and knife sheaths for each of us out of the cougar skins when we got home. So much had happened. We were not sure how long we'd been gone. We wondered if a search party had been sent out to find us. We talked of all the things we had to do to get to the trading post. The goal was close. We could feel it in our bones. Long hair, brave and Inu sat there watching us and listening, but they didn't talk much. At last, Philip assigned the night watches and we laid down to dream of home. Late in the third watch, I dreamed that two intruders stumbled into the camp. I dreamed they came towards us from a long ways off, but I could hear them coming because they were making a lot of noise thrashing around snapping sticks as they stepped on falling, swearing, and laughing. I guess I was too comfortable and secure to be on the alert for what was about to happen. I really thought they were a dream, but they were for real. The intruders had seen our all-night fire, and it drew them to our camp. They broke through the darkness and were standing in full view of the fire as I awoke. Daryl was sitting behind the fire, looking up with his mouth open, as if the words would fall to the ground when they got out of his mouth. Brave stood up to confront the two men. I blinked my eyes, and the next instant I saw the great big guy knock Brave down. He hit Brave hard with his fist. Brave hit the ground hard. His eyes were closed. He didn't move. Story continued on chapter 16.